Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness in all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on the tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of teeth. And let's get honest, the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist, too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Hello, 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 everyone. Guess who we have with us today on the dental handoff, the Dr. Lou Graham. Lou, it's so nice to have you on the show. It's an honor to have you here, my friend. Uh, being your friend is my honor. Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> well, thank you. I know that you're taking time out of your busy day. You guys, he had like a big case this morning. He is doing all this for the love of the profession. And I wanted Lou because of his experience in the industry for so long and just multiple ways that he has uh, given back to the profession, to other people like myself. He's the founder of Catapult Education. I always have to show my little thing, Catapult Education, and which I'm a member of. And we, I love being a part of this group and this new family. And so I just wanted to hear from Lou, like, what have you learned? Leadership lessons, like, what are some key takeaways about people that you would love to offer our audience? Wow. Well, you know, you think, Kelly, how things have changed since uh, I opened my first private practice. Literally, it'll be, I think I graduated, it starts to fade in 82. And I opened a private practice in 1985. And I am still there today. We've expanded three times. So obviously we've grown and we've grown with the times and what's some amazing facts about my career, not where I've lectured or taught, not my academia. I've had three dental assistants my entire career. Now we're talking since the eighties, three dental assistants. Now with that, I would say I've had hygienists in my office pre-pandemic up to 20 years. I have front team members now, 15 years, 14 years, 10 years. And, and the hygienists who did come back post-pandemic and the new ones we've hired, it's all about, I think, it's all about mutual respect. The bottom line is, it's all about mutual respect. I have 16 employees now, and to some dentists, that's what they hate most, is running a practice. And we're not taught leadership in dental school or business. We're just not. And a lot of it, it's just not common sense. And I would just say the number one thing, and we just had a team meeting with two assistants yesterday, it's all about mutual respect. And Kelly, mutual respect isn't 
the doctor respecting the assistant and vice versa. It's mutual respect on all accountability levels of the entire team to each other. And I'm just going to say this. When a team doesn't have mutual respect, the leadership becomes really challenging because if individuals are, are petty, negative, and underscoring the office, good luck to any office. And you of anybody would know what I'm talking about. So my, my rule of thumb, success is based on a team that has mutual respect. I didn't know that you had only had two dental assistants your entire career. Three. 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 I had no idea. I had no idea. That's awesome. So you've done a lot of things right with the mutual respect. And so where do you think this starts? Do you think it starts from the hiring process and then all throughout? Do you think like what part if you had to tell a business owner, like this is the way that you attract what you're looking for? What are you looking for? You know, I've hired employees that I thought were going to be the stars. They were just amazing in the interview. Their so-called, uh, you know, recommendation letters. And too many of the people that I've hired in the past were me, me people. I've had me, me people in Catapult. They're gone. I've had me, me people at the office and they're gone. Um, I, I come from the, the generation of the 60s. It's about we, you, you know, when we first talk. So in the interview, I really, if they're just talking about themselves, I think they're a taker. And I base everything about my life surrounding myself and my core as being a giver. And I think the interview process, you know, and not to be a cliche, but all of this stuff about your why, why are you in this? What's your why at the office? And I talk about mutual respect right in the first interview. And if I see a deviation in the first 60 days that there is not mutual respect, I really pull the cord a lot on, on new hires if they don't understand that. On the other hand, I've hired people who I thought were not going to work out and they worked out unbelievably because they understood what mutual respect was. And so who knows on that hiring aspect? Yeah. And that's a great point too. I, I think you, you focus in on it and you say, okay, this is what's going to work. It's, it's always about the we in the team because that's what it's about. And then two, if you keep someone too long, it upsets the rest of the apple cart, right? The oh. rest of your staff, they see because now the same rules don't apply to them. And so is it, is it a situation where you would say that you give them the first 90 days kind of as the trial to say, you like me, I like you. And then is there any feedback process in that, Lou, during that time? Are you giving feedback? They're giving feedback. Right. A lot of offices ask me that. Right. So I think the first feedback, the most natural is if it's an assistant, how is the assistant working with their doctor and with their team? Mostly the assistants. I think if, if you have a great office, the assistants are the core of a great office. They're the core. Hygienists and doctors, they're your clinicians. They're your partners. I think a hygienist is my partner. They're not, they don't work for me. They're co-diagnosing. I mean, like, you know, look, Kelly, we just got Pearl in the office. How do we co-diagnose co together? And I think to answer your question, the first 90 days, the hygienists are being evaluated by doctors and usually 
the other hygienists, but much more the doctor's assistants by their own peers and by the doctors, you know, front team members by the office manager and routinely the team. How's it all working out? So it's really interactive of who's evaluating who uh, during those 60 days. But we have to have a 60-day checkup. And if at 60 days they're killing it, then I'm not worried. At 60 days they're not killing it. I've got 30 days left of probation. I've got to see, can we redirect them? And if we can't redirect them, and I don't feel that, we're already back looking for the next potential employee. The next right fit. And you bring up such a good point, again, too, about you know using the, the technology like Pearl, like you know the, the folks who are out in the field. Pearl, you have Casper, you have, yep. you have other companies who are doing these things. They're amazing. Sure. Uh, advances in what we're doing. I think too, if they understand as a part of their why and and the larger picture of it that is that we're not just here in this office, we're serving our community. And you know, when we put all the when we work together to put all these pieces together for the patient, then the patient will go out into the community and give you referrals back to your practice, which then raises team morale. It, it, you know, because you're like, oh you referred you referred Mrs. So and so. And then they're like Okay, yeah, well, that that that's awesome. How did you hear about that? And then they say, we were hearing about the technology that you have or that they bring something up that you've done above and beyond the value add to what it is that their appointment was about. So having that team embrace that technology and to know that they're all on board and they're all saying the same things is important. Oh, a, a hundred, look, reviews. Reviews are the cornerstone of the growth of an office. I mean, they really are. You listen to Lenny Tao in our group. I mean, he's he's a he's brilliant as a practicing dentist who's taken a career in understanding these. And what makes my favorite review is a shout out about a team member, not the doctor. I love when I saw Yoli or I, I saw Celia. What a great visit. The whole team makes you feel special. But those two are really special. Those reviews. They, they just drive to me why each team member is so valuable to the office because it can't be based about the doctor. The doctor's focus should be driving the team and the team should be supporting that doctor's mission. Like my mission is always conservatively based ethical dentistry. Diagnose and then offer the patient starting with the most conservative. And today, you know, my practice, because it's so, you know, it's 35 years, all my patients got old. And now we're treatment planning cases. If I didn't have a comb beam in my office, if I didn't have all the technologies, you know, we both have iTero. You know, I, I couldn't imagine not having an initial exam, a digital scanner. As, you're, as you quite clearly say, a, a, a digital scanner for recall. I think as long as our team members understand why we're there together, the technologies should all fit in to make our team members feel more valuable than an assistant just turning over a room, than a hygienist just scaling and planing and going, you have lower anterior calculus, or the front team manager, you know, who can, or the front team explaining why we have an in-office membership and why we're trying to pull PPO patients to our in-office membership. This is how the team all has to integrate. Exactly right. And I think, 
to your point as well, everyone knowing their, their what and their why and their purpose. And then the team from a team standpoint, coming together on the, the vision, the mission and the values. And then, then it transpires to who we are and how we do it. And all of that just translates all the way, all the way across any, any team member. And it transcends there because you know that the heart of it, it's about the patient serving them the best, right. but, you know, in the beginning, Lou, you, and you know, this from being a pioneer in most of the things that you're doing with the memberships and the offices, which isn't new, new, but right. it's more new than some people may have heard about it, bringing that up to the patient. They don't get it. So like, how do you, your team member has to be able to answer questions. Everybody has to be calibrated in the office about how to answer those questions. So to that point, it's a great point. We, we launched our membership program in uh, 2000, I think, 15. I was shopping with my wife at Restoration Hardware, and they asked me if we had a great card. And I said, what's a great card? They go, it's a membership card and you get 25% of everything off at the store, plus, plus, plus. And and the person, they call him a concierge, took my wife to look at swatches and that's the death of me. And (laughs) I asked the concierge, do you have a manager here? I'd like to learn more about the great card. And what's the great card? It's like a prime card from uh, Amazon. And we all know that Amazon members, prime members, are more loyal than non-prime members. It's the same in a dental practice. Okay, enough of that. But the point being, how do you get this stuff going? How do you implement Pearl? How do you implement an in-office membership program? And so what we do every month, we have a two-hour dedicated meeting. Everybody's paid. It's their time. And we have a specific outline of what are we trying to accomplish And it might be, how are we going to articulate and sell and market our in-office membership? How does the hygienist articulate it? How does the front team member? How does the assistant at the new patient appointment? And openly, it could take three or four of those meetings to fine sync everything. But, you know, you don't want to tackle too much. But when you tackle something, the entire team has to be there to support it. And we do it at least once a month. For two hours. That's some dentists or doctors would say, are you kidding me? You know, how are you taking time out of your care to, to make time for that, to pay everybody for their time? Let me just say to those doctors, those two hours are the most valuable two hours of my month. It allows me to go through the analytics. How's the practice doing? And we are not a productive, productive oriented. We are an office that is quality first, patient centered. But these are the numbers. Those two hours become fundamentally so critical. Like we just at Catapult, we just interviewed a company called the Line Flow. And it's amazing. So if we Im- implement a line flow, people who have aligners, it, it's like CIRAC. You, you don't you get it all done that day with with the line flow, you get your you get your aligners and then you're tracked online. And the orthodontist we spoke to says he works eight hours less a week, a week, and he's booming because patients aren't inconvenienced to come back and have the five-minute aligner check and the next aligner put in. And in Chicago, if you come to my office and you live three miles away, 
You may have to stay overnight just to beat traffic. It's just crazy. So I think these efficiencies, these new technologies, they have to, a team has to implement together. And those two hours become essential. Yeah. And I, you know, what is it costing you not to do that? Hello. Right. Hello. (laughs) The same day treatment is imperative for patients. They expect it. I think now now that we're doing, you know, the the milling and the crowns and and the offices to have the labs on site. So it just makes sense that that would be the next step in the process because, you know. Right. And I go same day treatment often is. For offices, like I don't mill in my office. I digitally scan and I still work with labs and have great relationships, but same day. So for example, yesterday, patients in seeing my hygienist Celia, and now they've developed bleeding on probing around two lower right implants that were placed four years ago. Well, aka they're developing perimucositis. That patient versus going home is then scanned that within 30 minutes by one of my assistants, one of my floaters, and there's the communication and off that scan goes to Perio Protect and we're going to have a tray made. And openly, the hygienist goes from now educating, the assistant with a great attitude is going to come in and goes, you're going to love these trays. That's why everybody has to be educated. And I'll deliver it personally, Mrs. What, Mrs. Jones. I'll see you in three weeks. And That to me is great customer service, but you're also showing if the hygienist feels the need for this, the doctor confirms it and the assistant's closing it. I mean, I think that's how same day convenience, taking care of the patient should always be our goal. 100%. And people have to hear things seven times to internalize them. Hello. So yep. that's the dental handoff. You know, it's, it's yep. what, is, what is the right hand saying to the left hand that makes it seem seamless, seamless for the patient? Because patients also pick up on, you know, this is a big topic right now of, of um, managing your brand and what consumerism is really like for that patient. Because now if they don't have to rely on, if they get to rely on their own pocketbook or their own um, program through your practice and they're paying cash for visits, they can go anywhere they want. So what's going to set you apart? Your same day treatment, your same day service. They're going to know if Sally, the dental assistant, is upset about having to use a a device that they are not confident in, you know, and they're going to say, and and patients pick up on that. We pick up on that at at practices all the time. And to support that one, one more point, the team has to really want to do this because if if the team member feels this is an inconvenience, then they are not patient focused. And that to me is, again, it's a deadly sin in a practice. If any team member is patient focused, I mean, everybody can have a bad day or an off hour. We all do, please. But openly, if the team, like when my patients walk in, I, I think they know my assistant's first name. They know the receptionist's first name. I'm first name basis. If I'm running late, I walk out to the waiting room, hand on the shoulder, and I go, Kelly, I'm, I'm sorry. I My last patient, they showed up 15 minutes late. I'm going to be about 15 minutes. I don't want you to worry, but it's only 15 minutes. I think all those little touches or my assistant doing it, it makes so much more personalization I think that's the bottom line of how a practice really grows and succeeds. So would you say that back to one of our original points, the one 
situation where you hire and it's about that we and you are you can you identify in that individual if you think that they're going to love technology oh yeah you can if i say we hire two new assistants and i say within three months you have to be proficient at digitally scanning you'll get trained you will have to be proficient in taking a combi you'll be trained if 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 whatever it takes, you will be trained. If I see pullback, then I'm nervous. If I see wise wide open go, are you kidding? This sounds great. That's really what I want to see. Mm-hmm. I want to see people looking for newer things. I want. I think everybody should think they work at a great office and they're offering their patients the best. And I think these technologies with you know a good heart and, and good intention i think they all really help us diagnose and produce better dentistry i really believe that absolutely and that's what you want your team to believe wholeheartedly as well and so exactly that's where they feel that you know they you know that they needed to go to the bathroom of course. <laughs> but but they're going to scan the patient instead because right. they, they that, that's what the that's what it requires at that moment but let me say it works both ways So my hygienists come from a meeting and they say, have you ever heard of this? We'd really like to get educated in this. And 20 years ago, that was lasers. And now every hygienist to work in my practice has to be laser certified. If in the interview, are you willing to be laser certified? And if they're not willing, I don't even hire them. If they go to a meeting and they say, this is a new intraoral camera, the ones we have are kind of really yucky. Are we willing to invest in it? Well, the doctor has to be also willing to invest because I think 80% of my dentistry currently comes out of a hygiene operatory. So, you know, I, I think it works two ways. I think if the hygienists, assistants, team members see technologies that are going to help the practice, the dentist, they... He or she has to be very open to that. Yeah. And then to inform the decision makers as well, because they would come to you from a meeting and inform you and bring you the information of something you may not have heard about before. And for them to all take that leadership position in the position that they're in in your practice as to have their own autonomy in that. But and it takes a great leader to do that, because I always say, you know, they're like, well, I'll hear hygienists say I'll scan. The doctor never looks at it. And I'm like. Okay, well, have the scan up and don't let the doctor leave the room until he or she looks at it. You know, the way that I would prefer it is to have doctor have doctor not even go in the room if the scan's not up. Hello. <laughs> you mean if I walk in a room and Pearl's not up, I look at the hygienist like, hello? If we're scanning, hello? I mean, I want to walk in and have all that information around me to make that five minutes valuable. Absolutely. And I, and I think too, that it's a, it's a miss with offices. It's, it's such an opportunity for offices to understand that it, a lot of it comes from the leader, the, the, the practice dentist, who is the leader, who's the chosen one. Sometimes there's multiple, um, multiple docs in the office, but sometimes they'll go to one or two, but for everybody to have that accountability, to have that ownership of, of that piece of the, of the practice and to say, when this is when this is present, here's all the things that I want to see when I walk in. So it's following procedure, probably back to your two hour meetings every month. Yeah, and, and and I think the other thing we do is we empower the hygienist to be independent 
but have a leader. Mm-hmm. We empower the assistants to do different job duties, but empower them to work together with a leader. And the same at the front. So there's a front team empowering to a leader. So I think a dentist can only lead so much to be candid with you. I think in, in a larger practice, you need areas of other leaders. And I think everybody in the practice has to feel empowered to, be, to feel that their job is special and they're, and they're, and they're going to take care of everyone in that office via mutual respect, which is what it comes down to. Exactly right. And then, and then at the end of the day, knowing that your heart is happy about what you're doing and serving your purpose, and then that leads into the team and then the practices output of what you're doing it day in and day out, because, you know, it comes down to that individual responsibility. If you're not, you have to do something about it. You have to inform the decisions in the practice, no matter what role you're in to the doctors, to whoever it is as, as that individual person and for your voice to be heard, to inform it. Yeah. I, I think the hardest part for me in my career with my teams is many of my teams have certain things going on in their home lives. Mm-hmm. and a lot of it are struggles and they don't necessarily bring the struggles, you know, front and center to the office, but it could be subliminal. And I think uh, as the owner of a practice, I count on my team and the team counts on you. And there has to be that opportunity for when you're, team members are going through challenging times. How can the team help? How do I help? Do I have to co-sign something? Do I need to actually get involved? And Dennis could be saying, I don't want to get involved. You know, if team members are with you 15 years. It's more than just giving them bonuses. You've become part of their family. And when dentists and team members don't understand that at the office, I mean, I'm at my, I've been at my office for all these years. I was always at my office more than at home. And I think that home has to be solid and it has to be an open home. So if there are issues, I think everybody has to be willing to discuss their issues and hopefully have some support by their team. And that really helps strengthen, you know, the office. I really believe that. Yeah, that's above and beyond, Lou. That's amazing. And I think that a lot of this information, if teams consistently held group huddles in the morning, then right. you say, hey, listen, I've got a lot going on today. I'm not at a straight five like I normally would be. I have this and this. You have to tell people so they can support you where you are. And because then otherwise they're not thinking, oh, she's just being slack today. And they're making, because when people don't have inf- information, they we tend, our human tendency is to fill in the gaps of information about what we think that we know. So it's better to communicate to build the trust, to, to build that group vulnerability yeah. in that. So that's, a, that's amazing that you take that extra step. Oh, but that's why I don't have turnover. That's why my team, I mean, I'm dad. I'm dad to everybody. And I, I like being dad to everybody. And it, listen, it doesn't mean I go out every Friday night with them or blah, blah. I don't do that. But I want to make sure that that channel is there because many of them don't have that support mechanism. And they're important to me. The last thing I want to cover, which is totally off topic, and I'm not leading this, but you started it, is the morning huddle. My morning huddles 15 years ago were the team would get together 15 minutes, go through our sheets and all that other stuff. Let me tell you about today's huddles. 
I call it the millennium huddle. I get to the office at least 30 minutes. My partner, Tony, gets there. All my associates get there at least 30 minutes to go through their day. And the millennium huddle is my hygienists bounce in. They've gone through their day before they go home the previous day. They'll come into my office or my associates' offices and say, this is what I have going on. Why is it a millennium? Because a lot of them can't be there at the same time. And we have hours starting differently. So I call it the millennium huddle because my assistant may be there 20 minutes early setting up and she wants to go over everything. My hygienist could be there five minutes. The front coach or the front team member may be there 10 minutes. So everybody's kind of walking in and out of my office. And I call it millennial because most of them are millennials. Most of them have things going on at home. They, they often can't be there all at the same time. But the bottom line is at the end of my morning huddle or my millennium huddle, everybody should have an idea how the day is going to flow. Absolutely. And however you want to do your huddles, everybody should be on track. And the associates I've had who came in five minutes before work that showed poor leadership and routinely their schedules had more stress because things weren't planned. So I think huddles can be very, very flexible. But no day, no day is stress-free. And to minimize stress, it should all be about predictability of how the day is going to flow. Absolutely. The air traffic control. Hello. <laughs> and and what's, what's the best patient experience that you can deliver? And better. And better. Right. But, you know, I just, I'm practical. And I see how things continue to change and how they continue to evolve. And for dentists out there, who are stuck in the PPO grind and I'm in Chicago and it's PPO city. It's terrible. And we're not in a true PPO grind. We take some, but the only way you can get out of that grind is to make a plan, have your team behind the plan and you have strategies, whether with a consultant or whoever. And I think everything's doable today, but just thinking tomorrow's going to be different and you're not making it any efforts to make tomorrow different. It's going to be the same day after day. Yeah, that's a big miss and a big opportunity for offices too. Right. But you have to you have to know what you're missing. You literally don't know what you're missing until you're aware of it, until you want to learn. And so Dr. Liu, how would people learn more about how to contact you and to get in touch with you and all the things that Dr. Lou Graham is doing? Thank you. Well, of course you can come to our company, Catapult Education. You go www.catapulteducation. And honestly, I'd love you to learn all about us because we have 40 of the best people, hygienists and doctors, male, female, all walks of life from all over the country. And I think every person in our company brings value, whether to a local study group or a webinar. And I think that's what it's all about. So I just want to continue. That's why I'm going to Toronto tonight to speak tomorrow. I I think it's about Teaching is about sharing. It's not about lecturing. And the more we can all share together and create our own communities, the better. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, Listeners, thank you for listening. We would appreciate the favor that you provide to us by giving us a five-star review on Apple because Apple loves us. And we'll see you back next week. Thanks, Dr. Graham. Thanks, Kelly. 